0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the 307 RPG Podcast. My name is Patrick. I'm Nolan. Nolan, how's it going? What's new? Did you do anything fun the last couple of days besides burning my intestines out?
1: Yeah, we did have a nice Hot Ones hot sauce party, which was fun. Uh, I didn't suffer as much as you did, but I also didn't hit it as hard. So that's way big win for me.
0: Yeah. Apparently I was going a little bit harder than I realized. It's interesting because I was talking with my wife about it yesterday and it didn't like, I I was able to eat the sauces as you saw. And it wasn't like, I wasn't sweating. I wasn't like running nose or anything like that, that you typically see on hot ones. Um, But man, I woke up at like four with like the worst case of acid reflux or or heartburn that I have ever had like it was so bad that i was like i have to get out of bed right now go find some tums and i was like munching tums all day long took a prilosec or whatever the hell it's called and and just who she last night was funny she's like what do you want for dinner and she just kind of looks at me she's like hot wings i'm like fuck you absolutely not <laughs> not at all interested in that. I'm just going to change the title of the show real quick and then we will get rolling. Good call. Okay, that is done. So, yesterday, uh, I had the opportunity to attend a virtual Magic the Gathering Judge Conference, which was really cool. I was going to say, I wonder
1: how, curious how that went. I imagine parts of it are nice, uh, just from a standpoint of, not having to travel in February, but also part of the fun of that stuff is also seeing people you haven't seen in a while, so.
0: Right, right, uh, and it's, it's interesting because I have I have not been involved with the judge community for a while, uh, COVID obviously, and then changing jobs made it so where it's difficult when you're in sales to take time off, especially extended time off, two, three days, because you miss out on money. So, or the potential of money, I should say. And especially, you know, Friday, Mondays, you know, weekends, whatever. Sometimes those tend to be, as you know, our best days. And it's difficult to be willing to be gone and not make the money to go do something you enjoy. Sure, yes, you're going to make a little bit of money as a judge. But the potential to make more money in sales is there. So, I haven't done a single Grand Prix for three years and then, of course, COVID. So, it was... Good to get back to that. Um, Like I said, I did recognize several names, um, people that I'm still friends with currently. I got to see them, um, see them like as and see their names. Um, The presentations were really good. They were. We were using Microsoft Teams, and my understanding was this is the first time that they've used it, and it was specifically to house so many people. There was over 200 people on that call. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So there was a lot of individuals involved in it. Um, great presentations. Some of it was on rules. Some of it was on community. Uh, there's a, a big focus in the judge community for inclusivity and diversity. So we had a presentation on that. Uh, again, rules. Uh, it was nice to see because I haven't played magical magic a whole lot. It was nice to see that um, I still had that that aptitude for the rules because as you know as a magic player the rules can be incredibly convoluted and difficult
1: well and it seems like they continue to add new features and new abilities and that kind of stuff too and so i imagine for learning just the standard it's not too bad but then when all of a sudden you add that into the modern mix and the legacy mix i imagine we get some pretty crazy combinations so
0: sorry i thought i had uh, the title changed and i didn't so just fixing that real quick. Um, yes, it, that's exactly it. And and as new sets come out, and I haven't looked at like Kaldheim, the newest set. Um, in fact, I don't think I've looked at five or six sets, if not more, because I've taken you know considerable break from Magic. So it is it is good to get back into it. I've got three or four more planned to attend, all virtual. Uh, so it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Um, so we'll see how that goes. The other thing, did you happen to see that uh, Gehenna Gaming and Onyx Path did a virtual horror? Uh, virtual horror con this weekend? I did not. I didn't even didn't even hear anything about it. So they they did this last year and they really promoted it quite a bit uh, through social media, mostly on Twitch. Uh, Gahana Gaming is very active on Twitch. Uh, those of you who don't know, Gehenna Gaming is a podcast. They do do a, a live action show, a uh, role playing show, mostly focusing on. Horror Gaming, Vampire the Masquerade, Call of Cthulhu, things like that. Uh, so they p- partnered with Onyx Path last year to do this virtual convention type thing. And they did it again this year, this time calling it Virtual Horror Con. Uh, badges were like 3 or $4, so it wasn't super, super expensive. Uh, you did end up having to subscribe through Twitch to Gehenna Gaming's um twitch stream to catch some of the stuff but of course if you have like an amazon prime account you can subscribe for one month for free so it was i got to watch uh, a live action play of call of cthulhu just for about an hour last night um uh, what's that guy's name alex um plays the nosferatu on uh, oh, la okay. by night mm-hmm yep he was in it and cynthia marie who's also from la by night was in it uh jacob Burgess, who was one of the writers for cults of the blood gods we had him on our show yeah. uh, to talk about that uh, and i forget who the other two people were uh, so I, I watched that for a little bit it, it and really it just made me want to play call of cthulhu more because it is a fantastic game and I, I do miss playing it. It's something that I think we would all benefit from playing. Doing one shot, uh, Call of Cthulhu is one of those that, in my opinion, you don't. I don't know that you can do a long term campaign because ultimately your character goes freaking crazy and is like retired. So, <laughs> I would imagine it's it would be really neat to sit down and do a one shot with a select group of people that you know are going to get into it and just you know play one night, four or five hours, and just have a good time.
1: That would be an interesting one to do, like a murder mystery type thing.
0: Right, watch
1: people degradate into madness through the night like hey at three and all of a sudden like you can't stop pulling out your own hair type situation so
0: yeah it was cool and I'm not sure exactly what was going on because I did pop into it late but there was like you keep hearing a door close and and they're like what is going on and like cynthia marie's character was had disappeared and she thought she'd been gone for an hour but she'd been gone for like four months and so everybody's like where have you been and so there's this you could just see the care the players they did a great job because you could see this look of like what the shit is going on we thought you died yeah and there was this level of mistrust that was brewing between the players wait a minute you said this no i didn't but you said this and so you had this. Yeah, and I could just see you and Shree immediately pointing fingers at each other, yelling at each other.
1: <laughs> yeah, it would it would turn into something bad, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> It'd be worth experiencing. So, of course, that was this weekend. Um, and other than that, that I mean, that, that really kept me busy this weekend. What were you up to the, yesterday? You know, it
1: wasn't a whole lot. Uh, I've been in the guilty pleasure mode of watching... Or rewatching all of the Resident Evil movies. Uh, They're one of my favorite bad movies. Uh, Sorry if you really like them, I really like them too and I'm still gonna call call them bad movies. So uh, we did that a little bit. We did some sledding with the boys. Uh, Didn't really get much nerd stuff in. I got to read a little bit about the topic of the week Uh, and then I did do play I guess a little bit of Apex last night. Uh, till way too early in the morning as usual. So,
0: Oh, you're back at playing too late in the morning or too early in the morning, huh? Yeah.
1: One more game turns into 10 more games, turns into 4 o'clock in the morning. So.
0: It's hilarious because you were just telling me on Monday that, or not Monday, but on Friday, you're like, I've got to stop doing this. I need to stop wrecking myself. I did one night. I got caught up. Well, that's that's good. I'm glad you took the one night break and that you're feeling refreshed.
1: Yeah, oh, so much for that idea. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. You know, there wasn't a whole lot. We did get to see some of uh, BlizzCon as well, which I think we'll talk about a little bit.
0: And, yep, well, we're going to talk about that later. Uh, so I'm I got, so. you know, after after you deciding you're going to wreck my insides with some seriously hot sauces, uh, <laughs> you're shaking your head. No. Uh I was. You did treat me and let me see some of Return of the King in 4K. And folks, if you don't have a 4K TV and you don't own the Lord of the Rings 4K, you need to put this on your wish list because I, and I went home actually and watched, I think it was uh, fellowship uh, right after that. So, or no, it was, I guess it was the Hobbit. Uh, and oh my gosh, you it's, it's almost, it's almost so real that it looks fake did you, did you ever did you, you when, know, as you were watching it as i
1: said when we got the the new tv it took me a long time and then a lot of the motion uh really threw me off you see like cars drive by or whatever and it would be like like you know like when you're sitting in a parked car and somebody starts to move and you kind of get that weird like motion like grabbing onto stuff because you think you're rolling type situation. Like, I just remember that and being like, it it's too much. I can't handle it. And now I've gotten used to it. And now I'm disappointed when it when you watch an old movie and you're just like, ah, this is aged. And so seeing these things, I mean, seeing them look so young is so weird. Uh, it just, I don't know. It's really good. I, I absolutely enjoy rewatching them. And now that I get to watch them uh, in ultra HD and 4K, it's just great i i'm not sad that i bought it again for the fourth time so
0: right right and it's something like, like i said guys if you don't have this on your wish list i know it's it's now on mine um there's other things that i have to get first or want to get first i should say uh but but a 4k tv with the lord of the rings and the hobbit sets are absolutely firmly placed at the top near the top of my wish list i yeah i it's just... It just looks amazing.
1: I mean, that's just it. I mean, it just looks so good. And having the foresight to film it the way they filmed it, to know that there would be better technology in the future, uh, I don't know. It, it continues to be the best fantasy movie as far as detail and care from building the props, from building the sets, from building the weapons, not too much green screen. You know, what I mean, like just people committed and filming in the way they did so nobody got. You know, I don't think they lost anybody along the way. There wasn't these huge breaks. They kinda of filmed them all at once. I mean, it was just one of those once in a lifetime type situation where I don't think you'll ever see a movie made that way. Um just I can't I can't even imagine how they signed off on that kind of budget. We're gonna film all three at once and it's gonna be this long. And I mean it just I just don't I I don't know. It it's darn close to perfect. And and that's not saying it doesn't really follow is. it the same way. You know, I mean it's just the the care that went into it. Um and, and I think the actors were fantastic. I mean, it is one of my favorite movies, if not my favorite, so I'll right. say, I got right. nothing negative to say.
0: I, I probably have watched those six movies more than 10 times each you know easily easily and and sometimes it's not all the way through sometimes it's i put it on and i'm doing stuff and i I don't always just sit down and watch it but you know it's it's my go-to it's the you know i'm tired i i just want to veg out and watch a show i turn it on i'm playing i'm in my office playing a game it's on in the background um and at no point do i ever feel like oh my god i'm tired of this movie uh, yep. I watch all six of them over and, and, and sometimes I sit there and go, God, which one do I watch? You know, <laughs> we do at least once a
1: year, you know, and I think there's a few series. Everybody kind of has that like once a year, it's time. Um, I'm in my once every other year for resident evil. Uh, I know my wife has a, uh, usually we'll sit down and cycle through a Harry Potter phase, uh, usually around Halloween. So I think everybody kind of has those series of, it's just kind of that you'll run out the disc before it's too late just because it's once a year type thing. So,
0: right. Right. And it is nice that you can use clients like voodoo to watch those digitally. So you don't have to destroy your disc. Cause I know I have the, the three um, original films when they came out or- years and years ago on the extended version. They're the nice big box of them. Um, I have those sitting right here above me, less than three feet from me. And it's nice not to have to put those in because I bought the extended versions on digital. So I can watch those digitally and leave the discs and the maps and all the artwork that it came with those put away and not risk ruining them.
1: I remember when the box sets came out, uh, I got the first one with uh, uh, the two bookends uh, oh nice and then i got the second one with uh a smiegel in the fishing pond and then my parents were like we're gonna get to the third one we know you love this movie or whatever it had
0: minister wasn't it
1: yeah and it was a jewelry box and the top peeled open you could put stuff in it and we sat there and i was like oh you, my parents got it for me but they didn't get that one so i didn't buy it and my mom goes, well, your dad said you probably didn't want the jewelry box, but I told him he was probably wrong. And I was like, that was the only thing I want. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it was funny. And then I've never been able to find it. So that's kind of my eBay goal of someday trying to track it down and paying probably way too much for it. But So do you still have the other two then? Somewhere. I think they've survived three or four moves. And it's kind of one of those things of like, I don't know. They might be at my parents. Yeah, right? it's one of those things of like, I wish I had them now, but. Oh, sure. I w- we were also out at my parents' house, and I have a almost the size of a twin bed map of Middle Earth. Just massive. And like, wow. oh, we hung on to this to you, and it's just sitting in a spot back there. And I saw it and got to look at it this weekend. I was like, oh, how am I going to get this home? It doesn't even fit my car.
0: That's crazy. So, yeah, it, it's funny. It's
1: been, again, I think it, it's been part of my life for. Most of my adult life, because
0: uh, it did come out when I was 17, so just you know, you can buy the original four-disc uh, Return of the King's extended vision, not not with Minas Tirith, for thirty-two dollars on eBay, and that's sealed. Yeah, it's it doesn't surprise
1: me. Uh, I think the uh, 4K one for all three was seventy-nine ninety-five, and that was it was sold out over Christmas. I couldn't get it. I saw people selling it for like one fifty. Um, and it came back in stock, uh, this February. And like I said, it was 80 bucks. So, and if I get broke the bank, it did break the bank when I had to buy a DVD player that would run it. But is what so
0: it is. I'm looking on eBay and it's crazy. Cause like I said, you can get it for like $35 for the, for the original box that one there's others. People are selling it for $45. And then I found Minas Tirith. It's only 150 bucks. Yeah. I say only, <laughs> It does look cool, though. It does look cool. They, yeah. yeah, The the Weta stuff is just phenomenal. Oh my gosh! I have um, well, that two towers uh, lithograph from Weta that sits right above me here in the office, and then um, I have a couple of pieces from Weta. I don't remember what else I have. And of course, I, Carson, I you know, really like yours.
1: their cartoon set. Uh, or their yeah, cartoon, they've got that Gandalf art outside of the gates of Moria that I, I'm having a hard time not buying and framing.
0: Right, right, and actually, I guess I forgot. I have a a, like an older picture of Gandalf, like a hand sketched version, like what you see of Bilbo in um, uh, the extended or in the Hobbit, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when Frodo's looking over his shoulder. Yep, the little character art or whatever. Yep, and I have that of Gandalf sitting just right on the wall, right across from me. I mean, my wife was like, "You have like a five, six hundred dollar Lord of the Rings collection in your office," and I'm like, "So, it's more than that, but whatever." It's not even close to done. Get
1: used to it. Exactly. <laughs> i was say they did have some new uh those mini epics came out. Um and they had Ao and Arwen and Radagast. Uh and they all look really good. Um and then they had a Smaug. It was one of the more nicer statues about 150 bucks. Also looked to me. I mean it's like I don't know how they keep putting out product and I'm like you got to be out of right. ideas and then they do something and I'm like they're not out of ideas and it still looks amazing. So
0: I have a map uh, from The Hobbit that I want to put up. Uh, It's probably going to go up right behind the right up above the TV here. I'll just move Johnny Silverhand somewhere else. Um, That, but I, you know, it's. I think I want to have it framed before I put it up. I don't want to put holes in it, so it's just and it's in this like tea stained, really brittle paper. Uh, The only issue I have is, is, of course, getting anything custom framed. Like the lithograph cost me over three hundred dollars to get framed, and I just don't know that I want to pay that much again.
1: That's yeah getting stuff framed is a hard part. I've uh nay got me the the painting and I love yes. the canvas wrapped. I mean that's just such a nice way to do things but
0: yep we in fact sheree and i were looking at different artists last night that uh found some stuff that we really liked and i i told her then we would do the canvas and, and you know and Nate did that for us for um my oldest son when she saw shot his senior picture she got us that canvas wrapped, and so we we plan on taking some of the pictures of our youngest son uh one of them and doing the same thing and having it hung up on the wall because it's just it really is a nice way of doing it yeah So, okay, we have really digressed and that's okay. Uh, Like you said, we do have a topic of the day and that is going to be Mummy the Curse, second edition from Onyx Path. Uh, We are going to specifically be talking about the major guilds and we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, But before we do that, let's take a look at the news. There's not a whole lot, a lot of Kickstarter stuff that I wanted to talk about, but there is uh, let's see, for Dungeons & Dragons, let's talk about that first. Um, no product announcements, nothing new there. Uh, we are getting close to the release of the Candlekeep book. Do you plan
1: on buying that book? Uh, most likely, but I'll probably do it on D&D Beyond, so that way we have it for games.
0: Yeah, and I know you tend to share that content with me when you get it on D&D Beyond, so I may just let that one go and just run the adventures through D&D Beyond.
1: Yeah, looks like uh, available on D on Beyond March sixteenth. Uh, yeah, we're okay. getting close. And thirty bucks, uh,
0: which I think is nice not to see Just a fifty dollar one. Right, and it's a little bit cheaper. Um, of course, the the collector's edition book, the one that looks super slick, that's going to be you know fifty plus depending mm-hmm. on your your retail store. Um, I did notice, or I was going to mention, um, and of course we we were with Zach last week, so I didn't get a chance to think about it. Uh, you know, the Beholder min- miniature that Knowleser's uh, does for Wizards, um, that one—I don't know if you guys remember—the Beholder model was out of stock for a very long time, and it's ridiculous that because you can find it on, like eBay, um, you can find it on. <laughs> sorry. Oh, I guess I was looking at chat real quick. I didn't know there was a Lord of the Rings map at Dungeons & Dugouts. Dungeons & Dugouts is a local store over in Gillette, Wyoming, that we have frequented a few times, playing Magic and just patronizing. So I did not realize that there was a Lord of the Rings map over there. That would be really cool. I'll check it out. Yeah, BTZ Gaming was just telling us that. I'll have to check that out next time I'm over there. Um, Anyway, uh, the the Beholder model was recently re-released by Nolzer's Miniatures, an unpainted model of the Beholder. You can find the original sculpt, I guess, if you want to call it, on eBay for like $75, which I thought was just ridiculous. Now, I bought it when it first released, uh, and it was really cool because our local game store owner, Halen, called me and said, hey, I just got these in stock. You told me if I ever got it to let you know do you want it? And I'm like, well, yeah, I want it. And he was able to, I mean, he sold it to me for like $9. So I ran down there and grabbed it. I mean, if you're a fan of the show, you know that I'm a big fan of Beholders. So I grabbed that and uh, have it sitting upstairs. So I'll get that painted here soon when my eyes can handle painting again, which I don't know, we'll see. Uh, So that was kind of cool. Otherwise, the I did see that there is another actor cast for the D&D movie, and I'm going to butcher this poor man's name, Reg Jean Page. Uh, yep, I'm saying that wrong. Guaranteed. He has been added to the list of cast members. Uh, we have no idea what he's going to be playing. Um, what I do know is that Page is one of the stars on the insanely popular Netflix show Bridgerton, which I did not watch. Did you watch that one? I did not, but I heard good things. Yeah, I heard if you he like seeing sex scenes, that's the show you should watch.
1: Oh, nice. Spartacus 2.0. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, he was, he played the main character, Simon Bassett. Uh, I did not watch it. I know my wife watched it. She really enjoyed that show. So, yeah, we'll see. Nice. So, yeah, he's been cast in the movie. I don't know. Again, none of us know what parts they're going to be playing. So, we'll have to see about that one. That is all I saw for d d Did you see anything else?
1: I didn't catch much. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't think so.
0: No, me neither. So let's check over to Onyx Path. Of course, we talked about the convention. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, the Scion Kickstarter has come to an end, hitting an astounding $168,902. The project will now move to Backer Kit where anybody who missed the project can still support it. Uh, so keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on the Monday uh, Monday meeting notes from Onyx Path. They will let you know when that has moved to Backer Kit and how you can still back it if you are a fan of Scion. Uh pretty impressed that it did so well, but I think every time they've done a say on Kickstarter, it usually does
1: really well. I don't think they've missed the mark once, and I think it's been far and beyond what they're asking. So Right.
0: Uh other news from Onyx Path. They did announce their newest uh Kickstarter. Well Let me back that up. They did announce their newest community project or community funded project. Uh, It is going to be Victorian Age Mage for Mage 20th anniversary edition. Now this is still pending Paradox approval, but the thing to remember about this once they get approval is that it will not launch on Kickstarter. Instead, Rich Thomas has said that they are going to try using the Indiegogo platform to see how that works. I'm. I am familiar with Indiegogo only in that it's been mentioned to me before, and I've looked at projects there. I've never never backed anything there. Have you ever backed anything from there? I've not. Me neither. Uh, so, once that goes live, we will of course include the link in the show notes. We'll mention that once it goes live. Uh, that was really all I saw from Onyx Path. There are some projects that are moving through the process, Mummy the Curse being an example. Uh, still waiting to hear uh, or for the printed. The printing, printed copies of Cults of the Blood Gods, I know that that stuff has been sent to the printer. We're just waiting for it to print and then ship to Fulfillment. Uh, Onyx Path, as we mentioned, was part of the virtual horror con that went, that is going on currently. Uh, this weekend, they were partnered with the fine folks over at Gehenna Gaming to present this virtual con. Uh, like I said, I did end up picking up a badge, watched a little bit of a Call of Cthulhu game. Uh, so I, I'm hoping to catch a little bit more today but i have a lot of shit that needs to get done around the house so i don't know that that's going to happen um speaking of conventions though blizzcon was also this weekend what can you tell us about that because i know you were able to check out some of it
1: right Uh, i think there was a i don't think anything got surprised Uh, some of the stuff got accidentally leaked early um we got a new class for diablo 4 adding the rogue uh which i think will be definitely my style of play uh i'm getting more and more excited for that game it doesn't look like the massive just wave mob smashing game it looks a little more technical a little more uh less mobs more it's not necessarily skill but maybe you know uh what else uh some information about coming up for the next patch for uh, world of warcraft and kind of the the arc they're taking and taking the fight on to uh the Maw, if you're following that there, we got to see a little little fun Dark Anduin in there. Uh, Diablo two is getting remastered, which I was pretty excited for, uh, and they're going to be updating all the graphics as far as the cinematics go, so they were already fantastic, so I'm excited to see their spin on the new style um, and how those look. Uh, trying to think what else. Um, gosh, I don't know. Burning Crusade I guess is going to Classic, Uh, that I know a lot of people are looking forward to because that was the introduction of Arenas uh, versus just BG's so we'll see if that brings people over. You also won't have to level a character from one if you wanted to start in BC you can. I think you can pick a character and create them at 58 so that'll be nice so you don't have to slog through all the leveling along the way. So. I'm mostly excited about Diablo 4. Um, I like that they are also adding some classes that not necessarily all of them will be gender locked. They did announce, uh, despite previous canon, the Rogue and the Druid will not be gender locked, uh, which I like. that was kind of it. I mean, that was... I will
0: say you were able to share some gameplay with me of... Or no, you showed me the Rogue trailer and then the Druid gameplay. And I thought the Druid gameplay looked really cool.
1: I was a big fan of the Druid and, too, uh the shape-shifting, the summoning. Uh, you could go very... I don't know. It was a nice way to play the Necromancer-style uh, thing. But instead of skeletons, you could get wolves or creeping vines, uh, have a bear companion. So I really like that idea. I hope it's i hope it's equally fun i did not get a chance to watch the critical role diablo campaign um and i i'm planning on going back and watching that sometime today just because we've talked about diablo being a a fifth edition style uh game for so long that i i hope it's good i hope it's a hint i hope there's some sort of partnership there or something coming because i just want to see the tome of magical items that comes out you know uh I, you know, I don't, I can't even imagine, you know, there's just so many like legendary armors and sets and, and gear. And it is kind of a, a loot friendly game. It would be fun to play a very high magic setting um, style fifth edition in that world though. Cause the monstrosities and, and horrors would be really good as well. So
0: so I think if I remember if, if memory serves, uh, when I was originally playing Diablo, Uh, I want to say, and I know I played a rogue because I loved the rogue. I love the idea of being the archer, run in, tag something, run out, and just work your way backwards through the dungeon as you're killing things, so to speak, Um, moving forward to go backwards kind of thing. And if I remember correctly, the bow of the Zodiac was probably like, or see the bow of the Zodiac or bow of the stars was probably like the bow to have. And it was like, you know, plus to all your stats kind of thing. Um... I think it'd be really neat if they put out some of the Diablo stuff, even if it was just a book of magic items that was released for fifth edition that was all Diablo themed. That, and you and I kind of talked about this at work, where I think it'd be cool to say, okay, you found a bow of the heavens or bow of the rainbow or bow of the stars or zodiac, whatever, and it has these base stats because they're all going to have these base stats. Now, roll a d6. Oh, this one has. You know, three or four more stats. Now you get to roll on this table, and this is going to end up being a massive book because, like you said, the the magical items is huge in Diablo. And maybe you just keep it to the legendary or or whatever. And 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 like if you hit that, so where because primal legendaries are a big deal in Diablo three, maybe it's like you found this bow of the the heavens, and you rolled a six. Well, now it's a primal bow of the heavens. It gets this bonus plus these. And then you roll on these, these charts.
1: When they did fourth
0: edition in their
1: book, they had a section of magical items and they had the named ones and stuff like that, but then they had tables. And so if it was a weapon and there was like this D one through 100, it, it would have those things. And then you could go to like bladed and then it had the different stats. And so it was, it was such a fourth edition was such a high magic that that was kind of the way they had done it though, of of here's this and i could see you doing that with it there okay so this magical item has three to four properties i'll roll a d4 blah 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 blah. okay so you got three stats roll a d60 66 okay it's plus you know two lightning damage plus uh advantage on acrobatics checks and here and it's just a totally random item sometimes it's amazing sometimes it's not you roll like you said maybe you roll a 99 or a 100 on the table and it primals and you get another two or something you know i think that'd be fun uh and not treated as a balance at all just right but characters go nuts Mo- i also would like to see a uh, monster manual style thing for oh, you oh know, yes give me the stats of the butcher and uh right throw that in the game yeah just the fresh meat
0: yeah <laughs> that would be awesome and i'm that. gonna have to try to catch the critical role because i i could imagine matthew mercer doing some pretty cool stuff with that so i'll, I'll have to look into that yeah I yeah it looked
1: like a pretty good panel uh i i really like that world i think it would be great um i do too so yeah i was pretty excited about the diablo 4 stuff same thing with the Rogue. that was kind of my big takeaway i'm excited for some of the stuff coming to world of warcraft i am i don't know i'm ready for something new in there i'm kind of at the peak of my burnout on that so
0: i'm ready for flying in shadowlands yeah
1: that's true that's
0: that's my big thing i was like oh some of the places you have to run through it's just monster after monster after monster and you just especially as you're if you're because i mean i don't play that hardcore so i don't have very good gear and i run through something and oh look i'm dead I'm like, god damn it or oh look i pulled 20 things and i killed three of them and now i'm dead
1: yeah i spend a lot of time in tank stance or in in my brewmaster form on my monk i'm sure there's so many mobs that I mean they can't kill me and I can survive, but they will kill my my DPS. So
0: and, and to be fair, this is the first time that I've played um Di- or not Diablo, but World of Warcraft as a DPS. Typically I play a tank and it's typically a DK tank and it's like, ah, oh, I pulled the whole screen. Eh, whatever.
1: Yep. Yeah. I'll be it, done in a minute. It's very tank friendly right now, especially in those yeah. underreach rich there's a lot of a lot of elites. And I it's it's fine. I mean, that's...
0: yeah yep i mean and as i get better gear i mean i won't be a raider uh because that's just more time uh investment than i have um i may do some Rs and get some gear that way and and be good enough so to speak yeah go see the fight and call it good right right so let's check over to Modiphius because there is a little bit uh, of an announcement from Modiphius, and that is that they have announced a free Octung Cthulhu 2D20 Start product releasing this Tuesday, February 23rd. It will be available on Astral Virtual Tabletop, drive Through rpg and the Modifius store i personally really like these quick starts um and i like that this one's being done for free because it's just going to be pdfs so there's no dice or anything like that that you get some from the other ones but I, I personally think quick starts are a good inexpensive way for you to check out a game to see if it's something you're interested in pursuing further what, what do you think of these
1: uh, i think it's exactly what you said uh it is a big commitment of, hey, we're going to play D&D, and you need a PHB, and you need this here, and you're $150 into the game, and you get your dice, and you sit down, and you're like, this is not what I thought it was. And and right, you have this resentment towards picking up the books. And, and you don't need that stuff, but it is one of those things of like, oh, cool, it sounds great. I know everybody loves d and D, I'll grab the book. And, again, just grab it, test it. I think we've played a couple of times where it's like, you know what, this isn't the adventure for us or, right, you know. It's not what we thought it was going to be or the players didn't enjoy it as much as we thought they were. So having that opportunity just to dip your toe, I think that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and I like the idea of, okay, we can try it see if we like it. And maybe it didn't work with that group and you were the keeper as they're called in, in Cthulhu or the Game Master, whatever you want to call it. So you try it with a different group and you try it with a different group and eventually you find that group that it works with. It's like, okay, now, especially if you're the one who's running it and you liked it enough that you want to run it again, it's it's a good way to try to find that group of people who want to play Call of Cthulhu or Cult or D&D or Vampire or, or whatever. Um, I really like these Kickstarter or not Kickstarter. Sorry, quick starters. Um, like I said, I think they're just a great, inexpensive way to test out a game, see if it's something you like. And I like that Modifius is giving this one away for free. Now, if you don't know what Octon what Cthulhu is, it is Call of Cthulhu set in the time period of World War II, so Nazis are everywhere, and that's kind of like, in this case, if I remember correctly, that was the crux of it. Um, Nazis are looking for metaphysical occult-type items, and you are trying to, I'd imagine anyway, to try to stop them from getting those items. Uh, and, and then, of course, it's Call of Cthulhu, so you're also trying to hold on to your sanity as you are doing it. So that is going to be released this Tuesday. I will go ahead and download that one when it comes out. I do want to take a look at it. Uh, I do like the Call of Cthulhu universe, so this is something... And I think Call of Cthulhu, as we stated earlier, is a kind of game that you only want to do one or two... Um, it's probably a good for one or two plays. You know, I, I, I'm trying. I'm trying to say this correctly. Doing stories that take one or two sessions—that's the one I'm looking for. Uh, uh, and I know of, like, we had David Larkins on the show, and he talked about long-term Call of Cthulhu campaigns, and. Uh, there are some amazing books for call of cthulhu but i think especially with our group one or two sessions is enough and then go play D, you know for six seven eight nine months and then maybe come back to call of cthulhu for two session run
1: I, and i think it depends on what you're doing with it you know of maybe you attack it from whenever i think call of cthulhu and how you would play a long-term character and i always go back to hellboy um just being like such a good movie. Yeah, I, I like the idea behind it. And maybe you are part of, you are a little monster. And this is how you deal with this stuff. Um, there's something about you that you've seen or know and you're not, you know, you're willing to go back into it. Um, but again, the the other side of that is it is totally fun to play a person that's going to go crazy and know that your doom is ending and is a one shot. But whenever we talk about long-term compa- campaigns of it, I think about Hellboy. I think about the, the mad scientist collecting stuff and and. And you got to be a little evil to fight evil on this level. And right. The wild eyes, and you're like, holy crap. You know, this guy's too far gone. That could be
0: a cool universe to have an RPG based in, Hellboy. mm mm-hmm. it, it reminds
1: yeah. me a lot of that. The, the occult
0: and the Nazis and, and all right. that stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. It's very true. Uh, let's check over to Hunters Entertainment because Gods of Metal Ragnarok is coming to an end in 35 hours. This project has hit $118,725 as of when i typed the show notes this morning Uh, in fact when i clicked out of it i was watching it go up further so i know this project is going super well they've had 1525 people back it which is incredible there's plenty of stretch goals to knock down they did set those pretty lofty so hopefully they have a last minute push and get some folks in there you know to really push that game further i think it's gonna be a lot of fun i know they were making this pull to try to get Jack Black to to sit in on a game. I, I hope he does because, again, I said it from the beginning, Tenacious D playing this game would be freaking incredible. So, uh, if you're unfamiliar with the game or you want to learn more about it, check out the interview we did with Nox Burf a couple weeks ago. Uh, like you said, Nolan, his passion really came through in that episode.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's really cool. And it is kind of one of those campaigns that is kind of a once in a, a lifetime because of COVID and that kind of stuff just because you have the opportunity to catch so many people to be on that album that probably aren't working and touring right, right. now.
0: So. It's really cool. It was fun to learn about. Yep, I'm looking forward to that one coming in. Uh, speaking of Kickstarter, Stoneworks Gaming, we had Zach going on the show last week talking about the lights of Winthrop Manor, uh, which is a project that he worked on for Zine Quest 3 from his company, Stoneworks Gaming. They are fully funded. They're sitting at $3,818. Their initial mark was only $2,000. There's still six days left. I would love to see this project hit the $5,000 mark.
1: Completely agree. I really had not... I don't know. I, I don't know why it hadn't dawned on me to run more zero level characters. Um, right. right. You know, you come up with these great backstories and you, all you, oh this happened to me and this happened to me. And, and there's a difference between it being written on paper versus actually playing through it and having that experience. And I think so often we have these ideas of characters that this is how they are. And then the game meets the character and your character is not that at all. So I, I, th- I don't know. I, I think having zero level of how you survive the moment uh, you know, I think that's going to be, you know, oh, my town was attacked by goblins and I was the only one survived. Cool. Let's play it.
0: Yep. So uh, go check that one out, guys. It's a cheap buy in. I mean, you can get it for, I think, $20 and it gets you the zine. Um, I backed it, I think. Forty-five dollars, maybe, because um, I wanted to, you know, get some of the extra add-ons because they had some really neat add-ons to it. Uh, so make sure you go check that one out. The, the the all the links of everything we've mentioned so far are in the show notes. But I do want to talk about Free League Publishing their Kickstarter for the One Ring. Uh, we mentioned this last week. They are p- publishing the second edition of the One Ring. This one, the initial ask was twelve thousand seventy-nine dollars. It is currently sitting at. 1,108,855 US dollars not the Swedish krona uh, as the, the you know because it is a Swedish company this is US dollars holy shit did they blow away their their goal um I know I'm going to be backing this project. I I don't know at what level yet. It may just be the standard edition uh, with some of the, because there is a quick start that comes with this one uh, that you can get a printed copy of. I may just do that one versus getting the deluxe edition because either way, both of the books, as you said, look freaking amazing.
1: I, yeah, I'm having a hard time staying away from this one as well. Uh, Again, trying to find the time to play it, but at the same time, it, I don't, I don't know of a setting that I would rather play in more. Right. So I think that's the tough thing about it. Like, do you abandon everything that you've been doing in Forgotten Realms for a while? Maybe you do take a break and come back and ha- see it with fresh eyes. So
0: Yeah, take uh, a year off and go play in the, the Lord of the Rings universe. Yeah, I, I could dig it. So I just wanted to read this. I grabbed it from the Kickstarter. I just want to read through this for you guys. So again, the link is in the show notes for you to check out this Kickstarter. So this is directly from the Kickstarter page. The One Ring is a role-playing game based on The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, two extraordinary works of fiction by the beloved author and respected, respected academic John Ronald Rule Tolkien, published in partnership with Sophisticated Games. First released in 2011, its award-winning design was hailed as the best attempt at bringing Middle Earth to the gaming table to date, thanks to its thematic rules and painstaking attention to detail. For 10 years, players of the game have traveled far and wide across Middle Earth, adventuring for multiple decades of game time. Today, it is time for the game to enter a new era, this new edition of the One Ring brings players further into the twilight of the third age with a new hardbound volume presenting a set of updated and streamlined rules developed thanks to years of player feedback and raising the game to the standards of quality that have made free League so popular. A new setting to experience, the Lone Lands of Eriador and the year in the year is 2965 of the third age. This is a vast land that once saw the glory of the North kingdom of the Dunedain, a complete visual redesign of art and graphics offering a view of middle earth that is fresh and familiar at the same time. This, I mean, as you stated, as, as I talked about the collector's edition, no matter what edition of the book that you get, it looks
1: amazing. Yeah. The cover art is fantastic on both editions. And, and yep. playing through this stuff, like it's it's one of those things of, again, uh, if you have downtime and you have a day and you like Lord of the Rings, pick up the free version of Lord of the Rings online and just jog around the starting area. You know, you don't even have to, I think, get past like level 10 to get to the Prancing Pony or go see Bag End. And so explore, exploring it and having a visual and that kind of stuff, it makes me, I don't know, it's such a good world.
0: It really is. And it just, it hits on all of our feels that we've talked about, you know, everything that those warm fuzzies that we get because of these, these games, these settings, this, this one just touches them all, you know, and, and, and knowing that it is between, I think you and I discovered that it is played between the end of the Hobbit and the beginning of the fellowship. So, which you had told me that there was not a, a too terribly much written about it. So it is kind of wide open that players can play in without worrying about, oh, I messed this up. So now the rest of the story isn't going to happen. Um, so I, I, I'm telling you, man, I, this is there's 11 days left. I, I, I'm definitely backing this one. I just don't know what level yet. Right. So even if you don't, I'm going to. So we will have it in our group to be played. Add it to the list. That's right. Um, I know we're getting close to the release of Tolis. Uh, Have you heard anything else about that? I haven't had any updates. Okay. Uh, Hopefully that means they're moving right along and that it's going to be shipping. I think they're talking mid-March to early April. So you should be seeing that massive box showing up very soon. Hopefully, hopefully. Yes. Okay. It is time for our topic of the day. You, we have decided that we are going to be talking about Mummy the Curse 2nd Edition. Uh, this is We're specifically going to be talking about the major guilds. Now, for those of you who don't know, Mummy the Curse 2nd Edition is published by Onyx Path with approval from Paradox Entertainment. This is, of course, the remaking of Mummy the Curse for Chronicles of Darkness. Um, this is not currently available to the general public. It is only being sent to backers. I backed it uh, November 2019, something like that. So it's been two years uh, this is, um, like I said, not currently available. So they did send out the backer PDF to Kickstarter backers. Uh, we just received this Tuesday or Wednesday, something like that. And we decided, you know what, there's enough time for us to cover something my, well major in the store or in the character creation process, but brief enough that you and I had time to read it. And as, with that being said, we were going to be talking about the major guilds. We are not experts on this game. We don't pretend to be experts on this game. We have read through the major guilds, each of us breaking it down to, you know, separating it out so we could have time to read it. And uh, we wanted to present those to you to give you an idea of what is available in this game and to decide if you want to try it. Mummy the Curse is a game about time. Uh, when I say time, it is literally the mummies are based in the realm of Duat and they get shipped to Earth or to the. Prim- Primal plane, whatever, um, in any point in time. It could be, you could be playing a game that takes place in 2020, and then the next session, you're in 1912, or the next session, you're in the 1400s. So as a result, it does create all sorts of memory issues. So it does embrace time travel and how it plays it is a, like i said a chronicles of darkness game uh, i think mummy originally came out for world of darkness it was just called world of darkness mummy uh back in the early 90s uh, it was a very popular supplement so enough so that with chronicles of darkness they did make it its own game so and i haven't looked at the two to compare them i, I guarantee you there's tons and tons of differences so <laughs> that's a whole lot there it's, uh, um,
1: it's interesting, especially coming off of the back of Altered Carbon and Sleeves. Um, right. And and then I got a lot of uh, Quantum Leap feeling.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. I can remember Sam oftentimes, you know, trying to figure out where the hell he was at. And, you know, memories sometimes running together as of all the things that he's done. Because he did move forward and back through time. Mm-hmm. All right. So I have the first guild, the Maw Kep. Uh, please understand that we're not 100% certain that we are pronouncing these correctly. We're doing our best. So the modcaps are called the Shadow of Pillars. These are, they're interesting. These are your spies, um, and they... These are the people who work in the background. It really reminded me of a touch of Nosferatu from *Vampire the Masquerade*. These are the ones who work behind the scenes. You know, typically they're advisors, they're information gatherers, they're information traders, uh, and and they're very specific and sometimes on what they gather. Uh, they are. They, they, their tradition is an amulet. Um, a protective talisman that they wear. I, and, and I imagine, and I and I don't know this to be correct, you know, they talk about what their tradition is. And for each of these guilds, um, it just strikes me as like where the amulet is in time, the mummy would manifest through that. Uh, and I could be wrong, but that's just kind of how it struck me. Um, it says the Maw very rarely keep or take the spotlight for themselves. They'd rather gather the information, present it to someone, and let them be the one who takes the spotlight. Uh they are the middle managers, if you will, the slave drivers. And yes, they do talk about slaves. Because remember, this game is based on ancient Egypt. So please don't be offended by that. Um, the, 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 yeah, middle managers, uh, information gatherers. There's there's a whole lot in this. There's, a, Well, I shouldn't say a whole lot. There's only like three or four pages for each of them. Um, and, and it's just this is that's what they do they they travel throughout history gathering information and and bringing it back to duatap uh to the the irem uh to make sure that information is stored for later Uh, one of the things that i thought was really interesting with the guilds is the starfall section uh and these are the ones who have fallen out of favor or disillusioned by the guild that they're a part of and and it really struck struck me um I think I'd almost rather play a Starfall on almost all of these. What What did you think of the Starfall section?
1: Well, that's kind of what what is it in Vampire? Uh, if you've turned your back,
0: uh, you're what? Uh, wow, anti- I can't believe anti tribute. But that's typically meaning you've gone from Camarilla to Sabbat.
1: Yeah, I think there was kind of the and and they you know, yeah, I. I thought it was interesting. I don't think necessarily all of them were nice because I had a couple of evil ones ish, but I, I, yeah, I think it is kind of the interesting thing though because every single mummy is based upon the rules and working for the god and or the gods, and you know that you very much are a slave yourself. I felt like to the cycle, and so Starfall is very uh, freeing and breaking the chains of tradition right. and being able to do your own. Thing and I, I can see the appeal in that,
0: right? Uh, so go, going a little further, the mock kept tend to be like your internal affairs investigators uh, because they do have all the information. They do seek that information. They're the kingmakers. They're the person who works behind the scene to make sure that so and so comes to power because they need that person to be in power. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, they're the ones who. Well, the well, I can just see it as the celebration or the coronation is happening. They're the one who walks off in the darkness that nobody sees out the back door, kind of thing, because they've done their job. And then they, you know, dematerialize and go back to Duatap to await their next journey. Um, again, information gatherers, reporters, uh, scholars, viziers. These are, the, these are the people who work, who move through time to make sure that certain things happen. And they do it all in the shadows. Uh, so that's the Ma Cap.
1: Yeah, I've got first for mine is the Musa Nabu, and it is born of gold. They are, the way I took um. anyway, is they cultivate and grow. And that was kind of the, they, they find beauty. And it, it, at first I got very much into the idea that, you know, this might be uh, a, a troubadour. But their beauty is in finding a rough gem and polishing it and whether that's more uh, actual wealth and seeing it grow or people. And this was really interesting for me because they can take and one of the descriptions is, is they can see a, a 17-year-old cult follower and know that in 20 years, that potential there, this is going to grow into something. So I, I kind of looked at them as kind of the visionaries um, and the way they describe them is revolutionaries, alchemists, and brokers. They, but that was kind of the big thing: is they will they will plant the seeds to watch them grow, and in doing so, they also enjoy the, the the growth or whatever. So they will they will have the nice mansions, they will have the big places, they will show what they have they have earned through basically they planted the seed, and now they get to enjoy it. So they they believe in the prosperity of all, and that was kind of the interesting thing about it. they seem like not necessarily good people, but manipulators of potential. Uh, and so that's kind of what they were all about. They were the ones that will set the seeds. They have some pretty big followers as far as that goes, because they cultivate from the ground floor. Uh, they tap into people's potential, uh, when they talk about what they are or who they are, they are talent scouts seeking, uh, young artists and musicians, uh, personal trainers, uh, head of modeling agencies, And they are stockbrokers who will influence the market to get to where it goes or jewelers who can see that, you know, stuff they could buy at private auction and and change and manipulate the 1%. Um, What I liked about them for the most part was they thrive in the modern world. This is what they've been building for because they've seen that from the start of time. You know, they are not afraid of it they actually this is this is their time as they get here because that's that's what they did they, they planted the seeds in the early days to see where it goes so i think it would be interesting to play one that shows up knowing what's coming and i think that would be probably for all of them you know your your last mission was in 2012 and now you're in the 1940s how much they talk about how much do you manipulate how much do you plant the seeds there so the future how much do you actually end up changing inadvertently or on purpose um and set yourself up for future gains so it's they were pretty cool i liked them not necessarily power hungry but i could see that being a very positive on the outside type influencer but it's all very much
0: selfish right um so the third guild there's only five if i'm not mistaken Mm -hmm. is the sesha hebsu Uh, and I wanted to read, there's a little story for each guild right before you get into the description of it. And I wanted to read this because this one really is indicative of what you're going to deal with, with the Seshahepsu. So it says diplomats, lore keepers, arbiters. They described his crimes to me one by one in great detail. Word for word. I took them down my pen scratching across the page in a quick, precise stroke. When they fell silent, I looked up at him pen poised. He watched its point as one might watch a serpent ready to strike. "'Please,' he said. "'You know me. "'I've been loyal, faithful. "'Show mercy, and I I promise I'll never—' "'It's not my privilege to show mercy. "'The judges will hear your appeal. "'I do only as they demand.' "'He paled. "'The judges? "'But you can't mean—' "'My pen came down, "'and a few smooth strokes his fate was written. "'I didn't apologize as I dragged him away, "'though my heart ached. "'They come and go. "'It's the way of things.' Maybe if I keep telling myself that the descent after descent, then it will someday get easier. But I doubt it. Whereas the mock-cap gather information, the Sesha Hebsu are like hardcore magnets of information. They want to know every little thing. When they latch on to say, we'll say Britney Spears, because I know she's been in the the, uh, headlines lately, this would be the person who knows every little detail about Britney Spears. They know everything she's ever written, every song that she ever sang, every dance move she ever did, every Instagram post, Twitter post, whatever that she has ever done, they have it. They have it written and logged and, and they do it without judgment. This is their job to make sure that this is saved. Again, the mob kept our, our information gatherers, but they store that information to be used later. They're brokers of secrets. The Sasha Hebsu are not brokers of those secrets. In fact, the Ma kept frustrate them because they can't get the information that they need sometime. They need all that information. And it really reminded me, because they talk a lot about the Sasha Hebsu of being scholars. It reminded me of true Bruja, especially with the whole temporal aspect, time aspect uh, of mummy and the true Bruja's discipline, temporis. Uh, so And I think about because the true Bruja tend to be scholars. So with these folks also being scholars, I mean, this would be like, you you know, you take that one class where no matter what you say, like we'll say it's a history class. You could ask that teacher uh, and we'll say specifically it's the U.S. Civil War. This would be the teacher who knew at the Battle of Gettysburg. This was how many bullets were fired. This is how many bullets they had in reserve. This is how many horses died. This is how many pounds of oats they fed the horses while during the battle. This person would know so much intimate detail because they have gathered all that information and and they know how to use it. And, and I thought that was really, really neat. I'm not sure how you would play this in the game uh, to be that information broker because, I mean, they talk about, like, this is the kind of person that could be in the middle of a mission but finds that one piece of information that they've been looking for for decades and stops everything just to make sure they record that bit of information. And maybe that's what exactly what it is. This is the expert that you take with you to, you know, Hey, we're going to do this thing. We need you to come with us because you're an expert on that. I thought that was I thought that was really cool. Um, and again, it talks about the 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 starfall, which I, I just love the starfall. And they tend to work counterproductive of the scroll of ages. The scroll of ages I'm gathering is like a massive scroll that the Hebsu when they write something, it transports itself to the scroll of ages and inscribes it itself there. Um, it says, "Who are we?" We are uh, tomb raiding archaeologists who knows every language, living or dead. Um, oh, gosh, now I can't think of his name. Uh, the guy in um, the, the Da Vinci Code, Tom Hanks' character. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, he would – reminds me that his character would have been a Sasha Hepsu because he just – he could look at symbols and he knew exactly what it was. And I don't know why I can't – I've read all those books. I don't know why I can't remember. Uh, judges for a neutral court that handled disputes for all supernatural be- beings in a living city. Can you imagine that? It says judges in a living or in a court that handles uh, supernatural beings. It's like, all right, we're going to drag the vampire to the local mummy judge, <laughs> which you could. Um, investigative reporters publishing breaking news stories before any mortal outlet could ever possibly run it. Uh, so, again, these are information gatherers. They're not brokers like the the – Uh, the mocap these are gatherers they need that information and they're going to they're going to use it uh so i thought that was really cool again i'm not 100 sure how it would be played i guarantee you there is a way to play it in the game um i'm not sure just because we're not experts on this game we just read the guilds and we're presenting that to you so that is the third guild you have the next one
1: yeah so i've got Sumanet. And these
0: are uh, they go by
1: eulogy for souls and these are morticians necromancers and shepherds and what I found interesting about them is they are they come from a place of power because they were the ones that were allowed in the inner circle when they were actually learning how to prepare stuff for the afterlife. And so I think in the early traditions, they came from a very high place of power because they got to see what nobody else did, and they were entrusted with this. And also, if you pissed them off, they could not do your ritual right, and you may not have the afterlife you were promised. So you ha- they, they kind of had that, and they kind of lorded it over people. Um, as they've gone on, they – This one here kind of had the ultra carbon theme, you know, because they talk about for most people, it's the soul that matters. And for them, the soul is important, but there is power in the shell as well. Uh, there is, there, there is a power there because it did hold life at one point. There was mystical process of its end. Uh, A corpse carries the residue for its, for as long as it persists. So taking the care and the mummification process really sets yourself up, um, as we've moved forward with it now that they're kind of on their own because of what they do it's not necessarily it's still important but they see the other guilds uh doing their thing and they feel like they've kind of lost their way they think it's kind of an embarrassment of uh my (laughs) my last guild of the Mesa naboo to flaunt that they've they've you know what are you doing you know why are you pretending to be like the old ones uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting they kind of seem like the the outcasts of the group and maybe it's because they are the necromancers um, I thought it was interesting as well what they were as far as who we are a medical examiner for the local uh, police um, extracting evidence by questioning homicide victims corpses and fudging paperwork to cover up missing or mutilated bodies so it gave me a dexter vibe um, also cult leaders Uh, To kind of weasel their way into uh, churches to get people to convert. They, uh, uh, what else? Uh, A cult pawn shop owner so they can get all those little knickknacks and trinkets that could be used as vessels in the future. A serial killer. Uh, trying to create an advanced form of zombie and a grief therapist for the supernatural underworld helping monsters and mortals deal with unnatural loss and strange fatalities and studies other creatures born of death which i thought was great too because you just mentioned bringing in like vampires or whatever so now we've got a, a very much a lucifer counseling session types of thing going on but that's awesome hey again i think this is another one of those ones of I'm always fascinated by the idea of playing a, a necromancer or a dark person who doesn't uh, where the corpse is a tool. You know, in D anD D, we talk about that with a cleric all the time. Of like, no, his spirit's gone. It's okay. I'm just using his body. And and this here having that respect for the body of like, oh no, we're not done with them yet. We will take care of this. And 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 then also taking pieces. And I don't know. It'd be hard to. It'd be fun to play that kind of psycho i guess i don't know they're not really psychos they just have a different respect for the body but it would come across very dark um but yeah kind of an interesting class to be i mean a, a high respected i mean you're taking care of the bodies you are pretty important you might just also be a little
0: twisted (laughs) Right. And I think it's interesting as we look at this, because they talk about multiple classes now talking about working with other supernaturals. And of course, this is a Chronicles of Darkness game. This is not Old World of Darkness. So the supernaturals I'm gathering uh, interact a little bit more in Chronicles of Darkness. And so for those of you who don't know, Chronicles of Darkness includes games like Vampire the Requiem, Mage the Awakening, uh, I forget what Werewolf is called, of course, Mummy the First beast the primordial demon the descent not the fallen i can't remember which one's which so there is a big difference between those games and i'm understanding because i know like there was the contagion chronicle that just came out we just got the book for that allows you to play any of the supernaturals in Chronicles of Darkness because it affects all of them. So it, it strikes me that Chronicles of Darkness may be more inclusive where you can have multiple supernaturals in a party. And I could be wrong because I've never played Chronicles. I do have the core rulebook, but so many core books sit on my shelf that never get broken open. So uh, I, I'm not sure, but that's definitely how it strikes me. When I think as we see
1: more and more of the modern world coming in, I don't feel like the the dark creatures have their place of power. Maybe it's harder for them to move, so banding together or working together might become more common. As you know, sure as humans gain technology, they become more dangerous, whether to themselves or the others. So,
0: I don't. I think it's
1: kind of interesting. I,
0: yeah. So before I jump to the last guild, was there anything else you needed to add to yours? Nope. They were okay. they were they
1: were the harbingers of death, body, spirit. Uh, <laughs> limbs whatever you
0: drop off they'll sounds, take. that sounds terribly creepy <laughs> so the tef the tef of uh these are architects and and i really actually really like these guys this this one really struck me as something that i think would be fascinating this is that person who as soon as they walk into a room like they walk down a street and they stop and you're like what's going on and they're like whoa there's power here and they look around and they realize that there's power not just from uh emanating from a building or from within the building but from the building itself because it's an effigy and that's their tradition is effigies they make things that are going to last when i think about like an effigy like the louvre in paris how that's that inverted pyramid right um or it's a pyramid up and down or whatever it is. And that would be something I could see this the Tef Abiy building because they knew it was a place of power and they wanted to have something there to channel that power. Uh, these are and they're not sympathetic about it either. It's like we are building this, don't care. And and it's interesting because they talk about like in the story, they were talking about you know, the the Tefhabi was like a, a CEO, if you will. And he's overseeing our project manager. That's probably a better term for it. And he's overseeing a project and like, yeah, we're going to have this project done at this time. And he's like, no, you're not. I'm like, what do you mean? We shaved three weeks off the project. No, you're not. The project will be done on this date at this time. And, and and it's because the stars have aligned. Everything that's telling the Tefebi, this is when this effigy has to be built, and he is going to make damn sure that it's going to happen. And it it's I thought that was really neat. And, and they take a long time to plan it. It's like okay, I'm going to build this effigy, and it's going to be built in 700 years, and this is the exact date because this is the exact time when this needs to happen to harness this power to power whatever it is they're doing. And I thought that was really really neat it, it's just it speaks to the long game if you will you know we talk about in vampire how vampires have their immortals had this all this time to plan out their life well a mummy is absolutely immortal or they transcend time right so it's like okay i laid the groundwork for this in 1812 and i need this to be built in 2021 on august 2nd at 901 p.m is when the last brick needs to be put in place no sooner don't fuck this up, you know? And I don't know. It, it just, again, you look at all the different guilds, the major guilds, and, and there's minor guilds too, folks. We're just focusing on the major ones because we felt like that was what we had the time for. I would be really interested to watch a live play of this game just to see how the different guilds work together because right now I can't fathom it. I don't see it. It just strikes me as everybody should be playing a Tefabi or a Ma-Kep or or any of the other ones that we've talked about because... It just seems like maybe they work opposed of each other. Um, well, but I'm I think really the thing fascinated. that I really
1: liked about it was uh, when you awake and you don't know what's going on. And so I think that's a kind of a fun idea of you pop in, you are, it's up to the people who summon you to fill you in. And depending on how you've cultivated your, you know, your flock, your, <laughs> how well they get you into the loop and then going forward you may not know so you might band together and work and then all of a sudden like something triggers a memory and unlocks and be like you son of a bitch i know who you are i remember what you did last time i can't trust you and things start to fall apart that way or yeah know, I, I think that would be a lot of fun and again give it kind of that thing okay guys remember what happened last time things went to shit but you don't remember that for this thing and now we're in the 1940s good luck
0: right and, and and you know we because we had Jason Inchowskis, who was one of the writers on this book on our show um over a year ago it was like november 2020 or 2019 um that he came on the show to talk about this book this is how long we've been waiting for this one and he was talking so much about the temporal aspect, the time travel aspect of this and how it does, and you, you just pegged it right there. It does make the mummy's brain swish cheese. When they when they come from Duatap to the the to the world, to earth to do whatever it is the gods are or the that they're being bidden to do. And Yes, they could be working with, like you and I could be working together, but you and I may hate each other, like like lifetime enemies, but we don't remember that. And we work really well together for this one mission. And then as everything is done and we're being summoned back to Duatep, we look at each other and like, wait a fucking minute. And we, you know, <laughs> exactly. We move to kill each other and then we're just sucked into Duatep and we forget that we hate each other. <laughs> You talked about you know cultivating their flock, and that's exactly it. They're called cults, and the, it's the cult that summons the mummy to do something. And so you have cults that withstand time, and it really plays back to the whole fall of London, Mithras cult of Mithras pulling Mithras back from the dead kind of thing. Uh, it's it's really it's a fascinating game. I it it looks really cool. Uh, again, learning a lot of the uh, or
1: trying to learn as much of the terminology so you know what's going on. Um, I think think it would be a lot of fun. You know, we talk about a lot of these little one shots too of like the the Call of Cthulhu and they came beneath or whatever. You know, you could just start grabbing whatever damn books you wanted and throwing them in there and having these characters just kind of show up and really make the whole darkness kind of come together. You know, just like, uh, why are we here? What's going on? Well, you're in this moment. Have this character. Here's your personality. Get good at hiding it because you don't remember. Here's what's happening.
0: Right. And... You know, when I look at Chronicles of Darkness, if it plays the way I think it does in that the supernaturals um, at least maybe not work together so much, but they're, unless it absolutely has to, the idea of having a vampire, a werewolf, a mage, and a mummy all in one campaign, working together for, like in the case of the Contagion Chronicle, uh, working to fix this disease that's affecting all of the supernatural, then that is going to be a really fascinating game. Be definitely interesting to try and put it all together. Uh, I don't know. It, it'd be tough, but it'd be fun. Right. Right. Well, that is the major guilds of Mummy, the Curse. There is a minor guilds. Like I said, we didn't want to go into those because, well, frankly, we just don't have the time. And I know we did start a little bit late, but we've also run a little bit late today. Uh, we had way too much time talking about the One Ring, <laughs> which we're okay with that. <laughs> so, uh, Nolan, I don't have anything else. I will want to. I do want to say, though, if you want to learn more about Mummy, we did have Jason Anchouskis on the show. I do have a link in the show notes so you can go back to that episode and listen to it. It really is a fascinating sounding game. Uh, there is still time to to get that one on backer kit i know that they did send out the the backer pdf but typically backer kit stays open until the book is sent to printing for pod um, or you can wait until the pod comes out because you're going to get that probably a month or two before backers ever get their hard copies so uh keep an eye out on drive-through rpg the curse first edition is available on drive-through rpg uh, i don't know how much how many changes were made with that i know chronicles of darkness was updated to second edition so uh that being said that is our show for this week unless you have something else to add i don't we appreciate you guys listening absolutely thank you so much everybody remember you can catch us every sunday morning at 9 a.m mountain time on twitch.tv slash 307 rpg if you like our show and you want to support us you can find us on patreon.com slash the forge herald because i don't feel like changing it because we have other patrons who are already supporting us and we thank you so much for your support um i guess that's it anything else that's it thanks for listening guys bye